1: And coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. I want to introduce you to Lori Elizabeth Murphy. Thank you. Hi, Dr. Pat. Thanks for having me. Um. I want to start with what i said in the opening because so much parallels i think with the story you're telling uh uh, and and then we'll get right to the book well first of all you know there's an expression that i use and and i want to talk about this as it relates to you and it relates to the main character what i say to people most of the time is getting the the part about getting to the edge of the ledge that Mm -hmm. journey that gets you there is harder than taking the leap of faith off. And when I say that, people just look at me and I say, think about it. What does mm-hmm. it take for you to come forward, to live your dream, to then become public in the world like you are right now? Yes. And I want to ask you about that. What was the journey like for you to get to the edge of the ledge?
2: Uh, it, it was a long journey. I've been a writer in my head my whole life. Um the, my I, I've been married twice my first had both deceased husbands my first husband uh was busy orthopedic surgeon and I was writing and he or telling stories and he really didn't have time to listen my second husband said I don't know why you're taking so much time writing when no one's going to read your work and I thought well <laughs> okay I mean I know writing is a, a difficult endeavor but I have stories and these characters are in my head and they're begging me, please yeah. tell my story. So finally I retired and I'm telling their story. But, you know, J.K.
1: but J.K. Rowling said the same. Basically she couldn't shake this. You know, she couldn't uh-huh. shake the the Harry Potter. I mean, but this is what it is. You see, this is what I love about us Jersey girls. If you don't mind us me but, making that reference. Oh no, I want to always
2: be a Jersey girl.
1: I, but But here's what it is. Y- you know, if I had a dollar for everyone that told me I had lost my mind 20 years ago when uh-huh. I started the show and I said, I'm going to talk about positive things uh-huh. and people said, nobody's talking about positive things. And I said, well, I don't know those people. Uh-huh. If I had a dollar for everyone that said you can't, you'll never make it. You'll not be yeah. here. Yeah. But when you're called forward it's very difficult if you ignore that voice. Was that difficult for you or did you just move right ahead? No, I think we have an
2: obligation to ourselves to
1: do what we're meant to be
2: doing. I mean, I felt like I was i was a registered nurse first, which I loved. I loved that profession. Um, then I married my second husband was a psychologist. So I went on and got my psychotherapy degree, but that's what prompted all these stories to come out because every patient that arrived in my room i would first look at them and think what are they doing here i mean what's their story because as you know people don't reveal themselves right off the bat and why should they we're strangers but as you get to know them you realize there's so much more depth to to everybody and we want to know what that is and so it's the same with my characters When when i put a character on the page i go what are you doing here And I wait and I know this sounds crazy, but they'll tell me they'll
1: tell me where they need to go. Yeah, I want to talk. We're going to talk about Peggy. We're going to talk about a lot, but I want to talk about when you write a book like this. And and I love that you could have written this book several ways, I believe, Uh Um, but you couldn't have. You you know what I'm saying? That's almost like a strange sentence to say. And the reason I say you couldn't have, because there's so much to be said about knowing the end game of something. Yes. And then being so intrigued by the journey. And I think that's part of what this is about or or the series of events. But I think most people might say, dream me home just by saying that. Who doesn't want that? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like when I when I saw the title of the book, I didn't know anything about the book, right. and I said, oh, "Oh, but isn't that all of us? Isn't that all of us want that?" Yes. And am I overstating here or what?
2: <laughs> no, no. I think we all have a piece of us, whether we had a good or bad childhood, whether we had good or bad friends. There's there's comfort in familiar. And sometimes we just want to wipe out what's here in the present and just go back to whatever that safe place was where we, we loved it. It was comfortable. It was warm. It was fuzzy. Even if it was meatloaf on a plate, that's what
1: we want. Yeah. 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 Oh, love meatlo- uh, meatloaf on a plate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you You're know, a Jersey girl. That's why. Uh, oh, my gosh. Right. <laughs> um, that and White Castle hamburgers. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the thing that I'm struck by, and let's talk about the book, you know, of course, if people are listening, I just want everybody to know the book we're talking about is Dream Me Home. We're here with Laurie Elizabeth Murphy, but bigger than that is the depth and the breadth of how you start the book. You really share this from Peggy's from, from Peggy's point of view, right? Yes. Even yes. the quote that I mentioned before the show, one of the things I pulled out of the book, I don't remember what page or where it was, but it was a statement that basically summed up her life. It was, or summed up a life, anybody's life. This could be anybody's Uh life, right? Yes. Because right now I think we all fall into this. You know, I didn't really grow up rich, but I'm choosing not to remember the bad times, the horrible times, the traumatic times. That sentence was so telling for me. And given Mm -hmm. your background, I have Uh bet you have heard that from more of your clients than not.
2: You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because people, when they came into my practice, wanted the quick fix. But the fact of the matter is, is we're all the sum total of our childhood and our environment and what happened to us back then. Not that we want to dwell on that, but we can't get away from it. We don't, we don't have an eraser that erases that. So with Peggy, you know, she had to tell the story and I'm not going to give anything away other than it opens with, she is narrating her own book. From the grave, yeah. and that's the only way she could do it because she didn't have insight into her own feelings really until she was dead, and then she could understand the behavior of everybody else around her and her own behavior, and that's why I thought it was important to make her
1: deceased. I I, I have to tell you, I love that you did that. Now I'm gonna t- I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna take a little uh, risk here because uh-huh. as I was reading it. I was fascinated by it because I've heard so many of my friends who are clinical hypnotherapists. Yes. And when they talk about the journey of their client and the revelation of their client and what gets revealed in that subconscious state, I was yeah. so fascinated by them. And then when I read your book, I thought, wow, this is mm-hmm. so similar. The revelations yeah. are similar. Am I am I reaching too far with that uh, analogy? No, no,
2: that, that's exactly right. It's 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 just you know, Peggy. Peggy was a dreamer. She just thought she was going to be married to this fa- fabulous plastic surgeon, and her life was going to be wonderful. And she was going to stay in Boston and raise her children. And and all of a sudden, that changed. And there was like a little crack in the marriage, not one that you'd even see. Mm-hmm. Maybe like all of us who have been yeah. married. You know, it, it, the glitter fades and then there's a little crack and we either repair it or we ignore it or it widens. And in Peggy's case, it started to erode. And that was at that plus another event caused the rift that happened all the way through the rest of the
1: book. And, you know, this just for those of you that are this is a mystery. It's a really cool mystery. And I can't give too much away. I don't want to give too much away, but I do want to encourage you all to read it and get the book Dream me home. Um, as I was reading the book, I was really struck by many things and so many other characters. Let me call them, you know, yeah. people in the book. Yeah. And I found myself saying, "Oh, this one did no, This no, this, it, right? You know, I mean, it's like I found <laughs> myself like, wow. I don't know now. I don't. Will I ever know? I don't know yeah. now. I will. I ever yeah. know? And part of that was because the the dialogue and the conversations and the narrative was so beautifully done. I mean, what's the word I want to, at some points it was really raw. And that is, I think the only way that you could authentically relate to a character. Was that done on purpose by you? Uh, You know, I'm sure all of us have read
2: really great plotted books with really flat characters, or we have really great characters and the plot really doesn't go anywhere. And it's so frustrating because I, I see it like it could just have been so much better this way or that way. So I struggled to try to make sure that I tried as best I could to hit those points and say, I want everyone to love my characters or hate them. Because if you don't care about your character, what's the point of the book? So these people each had their own voice. And in my head, when I was writing about a detective or a psychiatrist or this or that, I heard them. And that's what they, what they said was real to them. And I tried to keep it that way all the way through the book.
1: Yeah, you did. You know, uh, I'm struck by two things and I'm not going to give the ending away. I'm not going to give anything away because I want all y'all to read it, but I'm struck by a couple things. You know, there was a movie that came out a bunch of years ago with Will Smith. Uh, it was at that time, one of my favorite movies, it was called, I am legend. Oh, and yeah. what happened with that book, excuse me, with that movie is they put the movie out and the fans hated the ending. They just, uh-huh. so they created an alternative ending. If you bought the movie, if you uh-huh. bought back, back then, you could buy the CD, right? With right. DVD. If So if you bought it, you got the alternative ending uh-huh. Uh-huh. because people were just like, oh no, oh no, it can't end like that. Uh-huh. And I'm struck by, I'm struck by the way you weave in and out to get to the end. I want to ask you about that. How agonizing is it to write an ending to something like this?
2: (laughs) Well, here's the thing of it. I, you know, I I don't outline my books. And so I don't exactly know where they're going, but I knew two things. I knew I wanted it to be a love story, which it turned out not really to be a love story because I didn't know it was going to be this mystery, but the characters took it on and there it was. But I also sort of had an idea about the ending, even though the readers that have read it said to me, I know your ending, but couldn't it have been this way also? Yeah, it could have been at least two or maybe three different ways. I wrote it very clearly the way I wanted it to be. But it's open to suggestion because 50% of the other readers said, I like your ending, but I would rather if, if it happened this
1: way, and this is how I'm going to believe it. That's great. That's why I'm writing a sequel. <laughs> because, But that's it. You see... Look at what, what we're talking about here. For those of you just tuning in, the book is Dreamy Home. And like I said, Laurie Elizabeth Murphy, before we go ahead, first of all, tell people how they get a copy of the book and how do they find out more about you?
2: Okay, well, I have a website. It's Laurie. It's L-A-U-R-I-E, Murphy.net. And there's my biography and other books that I've written. There's um, a lot, there's a trailer on there about this book. And there's uh, two buttons that you can hit to go to Amazon Books or Barnes & Noble if you care to buy it i hope you do uh so there's that information um youtube also has a trailer on the book
1: i love that and with your permission we'd love to play a bit of the trailer uh you know during this here during a short break during this interview look i love what you just showed i had to ask you about the ending and here's why you know that you've written something really powerful Mm -hmm. When people want you to change it or want (laughs) you to rethink. I'm going through this with the launch of our network. We're just getting ready to launch new technology, three or four new channels. We've developed technology that doesn't really exist in broadcasting because I'm not really a broadcast person. I'm like you. I'm Uh a Jersey girl that has a message. But Uh you know that you've hit something when people want to engage. You know, Mm -hmm. I almost saw like this Facebook group debate With Uh the panel of your fans, like it should have been this or it should have been that. And I want to ask you this, when you write something like this, I can't help believe this. My journey to get here to talk to you today changed me. It made me a better person. It made me want to do more in the world. Uh You know, I didn't start like this. I Uh dialed a wrong phone number, but the journey itself changed me. How did writing this book change you, Lori? You know, I I'm not that
2: even though I've had a lot of success in my life, I I'm shy and I'm not that confident of a person. <laughs> but when people that have read it said, "I need to know what happened to the husband. I want to know whatever happened to the best friend. What about this psychiatrist?" and I'm like, "Well, but they're fictional and so they don't exist." And that's it. And they're like, "No, but." what do you think happened and i'm thinking why is everyone asking me about characters the book's over and then i realized i think i did something good these people want to know more yeah, about yeah. these people and yeah. so you know that prompted me to write a sequel which i'm halfway through um and fortunately the first book took me 3 years i think i can get this book out in about 8 months because i understand the process of a mystery now I did not know I had a little bit of evil inside of me. <laughs> I had no idea because I'm usually a very by the rules person but um I got in the head of these characters and some
1: of them are not very nice. you know uh, that's why I'm so glad to hear you are writing a sequel because when people have that you, I wasn't going to ask you any of that so I, I'm glad you brought it up because, I did want to know. Well, where did they go? What I mean, but see, that's the ma- That's the mystery of it. That's what makes it so powerful. But also, we have to remember whose perspective is leading the way in this. That's right. right. Yes, it's and, hers. And that's what I love about it. I often thought about this as I I went back to to just get prepare for today. I thought, now let me see who would play Peggy in uh-huh. a movie. No, I did. And I wow. came up with a couple of people. I would say, who would play Peggy in 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 a uh-huh. movie if this who was a movie? Think? Who do you uh, think? Uh, Ronan. You know, I think she was. Yeah, yeah. Uh uh-huh. She says her name were- a little differently, right? But she she's a great actor. Um, I also think who could play Peggy is a lesser known actor. She's amazing, and she played Hannah in one of the Netflix series she would be perfect for this role. It's uh, funny you're you're talking in terms of a movie because when I was writing it I actually
2: saw movie scene in my head. I, I don't know anybody that makes a movie.
1: I wish somebody I wish somebody would contact me because I think it would be a good movie. Yeah. So um, I actually am talking to a person tomorrow. I'll make sure I mention it. But you see, but when I, I'm a visual, so you should know this about me. I have a little learning disability. I don't think it's a disability, but when I read words, I see pictures. I don't see the word. Uh And I started to place these actors in the Uh role as I was reading it. And I thought to myself, this is so well done. This is Thank so you. well done. And when I got to the end, I said, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. This, oh. I, where, where's the rest of it? I got to have more. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I want to ask you, because of that, because of the longing for those of us that are reading it to want more, mm-hmm. how hard was it for you to have to cut pieces out that you may have originally had in it? I don't know if you went through that process, but people tell me when you write a book, editors want you to cut, cut, cut. I don't know. Did you have to do you know, that?
2: I'm, I'm my own worst critic. And so I, <laughs> I write I write two or three pages. I'm not a disciplined writer. So it's not like I sit down every day for four hours. I just write when I feel like writing. And, and I would think, oh, this is fabulous. I can't believe this is a wonderful thing. And then I put it down for two weeks and I'd look at it and I'm like, I can extract two sentences that I like, and the rest is garbage. And then I'd start again, and start again, and start again. So, which is why it took me three years. But I'm a perfectionist in two things: nursing and writing. The rest of my life can be upside down. I don't care. So, was it hard for me to do this? It was difficult for for me to make sure that every character had their say. And I could have I could have done so much more, but you know, it was 304
1: pages. That's enough. Yeah, (laughs) But I did did short chapters because no one likes a long chapter. No, no, you're right. They are short, but they're short and to the point. And that's what Uh I love about. them. Now, Uh I want to ask you another question. I don't know how much you can reveal about this. And I know this is a short interview. When I read a book or when I do something here with the network, I can't help but have favorites. Uh Like I was talking to a host yesterday and I looked at the banner we did for her. And I got to tell you, spectacular amazing right Uh you can't help but do that and yet you treat everybody equally and i want to ask you was there one of the other let's call them the other characters that just wouldn't let go of you i think uh, on the
2: negative side it was the psychiatrist. That's what I was, I didn't want to say it. I don't, what, what is it about us people? <laughs> but you know, here's the thing of it. We all know, we're, I don't know anyone like him. And I certainly yeah. wouldn't want anybody to think that I had a practice like his. But you do know that when people come in to see you, whether they're physically sick and you're giving medical care, or they're emotionally distraught, you can really twist the minds of somebody because they're so vulnerable. Oh and it's a it's a power you have to be very careful of. You can't instill your own feelings onto somebody else. I mean, that's their journey. And so I I wanted him to be ruthless so that people would hate him. Mm-hmm. And then we have to see, could he redeem himself, maybe?
1: I love that you did that too. And but without giving out too many secrets, you know, I love that character because I had a friend recently who went through is going through a terrible time with her former, you know, father of her child and, you know, everything that we would consider post-traumatic stress disorder from being Mm in an abusive relationship. I mean, when somebody pulls out a gun and puts it on the night table, hello, Uh there's a problem. And I, I, I was reading this, and I thought, oh, man, these, these types, they exist in the world. Uh-huh. And that's why we tell people all the time, every time I do a live show, look, be selective who you pick out. Yeah. Now, yeah. I know this is a, hello, this is a fictional book, just saying, everybody, this is fictional. But so much of this we could relate to yeah. real yeah. life. Did you know that when you were writing that we would attach to some of these characters as if we knew them? Well, I I loosely based
2: one character. All of them are fictional except for one, uh, and he's he has no name. He's called the man, and it's about. I started out writing a book about first love. It didn't turn out that way until I was three quarters of the way through. But it's we all have somebody. I think that we. Think What would have happened if I married this person? What would have happened if we didn't break up? And I kept in touch with that person who I was engaged to a long time ago, um, over the years, over 55 years. And I always thought I, thought I only had one more day with him. And I, I reconnected with him. And so, you know, who knows what's going to happen? He's a different person now. I'm the same person. He's a different person. But It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's the longing to go home. It's the longing to go back. It's just give me one more day of that feeling. So that was... I
1: I totally got it. I mean, I got it because I too connected with someone I was in relationship with for 17 years.
0: Mm -hmm. And...
1: Uh, that connection so beautiful and still playing out today, differently, differently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, okay, better. Can I say better? And mm-hmm. why do I say better? Because we've both grown. Yeah, I'm not as crazy. Uh, um, people oh, say wow. I'm a little bit, but <laughs> I'm not like I was when I was younger. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's such a sweet
2: feeling. Yes. It is. And we also realize as we get older, we don't have enough time to fool around with, you know, oh, maybe I'll have an argument. Maybe I'll be annoying. Maybe I'll be. No, we have whatever time we have left. If this is a person we want to get to know better, whether it's yeah. going to be in a romantic way or otherwise. Right. We almost have like a soul commitment to reconnect with somebody that we can't get out of our heads and see why we need them in our lives.
1: All right. I know this is going to be wrapping up here in a minute, but I got to ask you, first of all, thank you for telling us you are doing a sequel. Oh, thank thank you. you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to do it. Yeah. People are probably going to want to say, Oh, you need to do a pre prequel. I I mean, you you know what I'm saying. No, don't. Yeah. Please don't do that. (laughs) No, I Um, won't. But why do you think there's such a draw for that from where you sit? Because it's it's almost as if you didn't expect it, I would imagine. I get that I sense. I didn't right?
2: expect it. And in the beginning, I said, no, no, I'm not doing a sequel. These characters are finished. I I don't like a loose ending book. So I, I thought I wrapped it up pretty well. But people loved or hated them so much as if they knew them or they lived down the block from them. And they said, whatever happened? And, and I'm like, I don't know. And then I started making up in my head, well, OK, let's see what happened. And. Then all of a sudden I knew exactly what happened to them. And that's why I'm writing it.
1: Look, again, tell people how they get a copy of the book. But they also, you know, I mean, if you're like me, I want to follow you kind of, right? I want to see like, where is it? I don't want to wait another year. So I (laughs) want to get like the inside scoop. So how do people stay in touch with you? And again, how do they get the book? How do they do that? Okay, the book is on Amazon Books.
2: Uh, or Barnes and Noble online. And uh, that's where we are so far. They can contact me at uh, lori.murphy.net, And there's a place for them to write in. And I'm happy to write back. I'm ha- thrilled to write
1: back. Uh, and so far, that's where we are. And the book, by the way, is Dream Me Home. And by the way, the way that the book is talked about is a story of betrayal, infidelity, and love. Uh, love, a chilling mystery by psychotherapist, Laurie Elizabeth Murphy. And you know, yes, of course it is that, but it's also so much more. And I, I want to ask you this list question, last question, because when I say so much more, here, here, here's what I mean. I found so many of the characters relatable at so many levels, really relatable. Like I could have known them or I could know them. Uh And when I read that it's a story of betrayal and this and that, it doesn't really tell everybody that there is going to be a piece of something in this, that Mm -hmm. they're going to say, that's me. I've already shared one small piece, one line out of the book Uh that Uh I thought, Oh, that is so me. Right. Can you talk to that for a minute? And are other people saying something like that? They they
2: seem to be taking it more to heart than a fictional story. They tell me their story. They come in for a book signing and I'm signing the book, but they're telling me a story that isn't in the book, but is relatable to them. So I'm I'm really thrilled that that people understood that these people meant something. This this wasn't just yeah. I made them up and now they've told a story and they're gone. No, they lived in the hearts of everybody that's read this book. I'm I'm thrilled.
1: I, I you know. I don't want to give you another task or assignment, but as I was reading it, I felt that way. And I thought she's got to write an anthology. She's got to collect these stories. I said, Lori's got to collect these stories from people, people that resonate so much for different parts of it, because see, that's the beauty of writing something so relatable yet so captivating and still so many unknowns at the end. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, People have two different endings. I only had one, but everybody (laughs) seems to have two. So uh, we'll see. We're going to wrap it up in the sequel, though, and and we're going to find out exactly why I ended it the way
1: I ended it. I love it. Lori, I have one last question for you. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us all with today? You know what? I think when we
2: wake up every morning, we can choose happiness and hope. Or despair, and everyone's got problems. The nation has problems. We have personal problems. And I am blessed with good genes. So, you know, I am just an optimist at heart and sensitive and a romantic, which, you know, it, people would like to be that, but it's difficult to be that in a world yeah. where people are negative because yeah. people don't like you when you're happy all the time. But, oh, believe me, yeah, I know. But, I created yeah.
1: a happy network. Are you kidding? Yes. <laughs> I
2: know. And, and so, but I think. I think if we can just show people that even when the worst happens, there's always going to be a life lesson in there that we have to learn. We're here to learn life lessons. And in this book, I think there's so many life lessons that maybe that's why people are relating to them.
1: I love it. Lori, thank you yeah. so much for everything. Thank you, done you very much. I appreciate that, it. You bet. Uh, we're going to take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back.
0: How to lead a happier life on transformationtalkradio.com.
1: Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you to a special edition, a special, a very special interview. For those of you that have heard, or have heard what Houdini was, what perhaps Houdini did, you may be left in awe. Maybe the question is why. But Charlie and Cheryl Young joining me here today have taken it way further than that in their fabulous book. And that's what we're going to talk about today, Houdini's Last Handcuffs. I'd love to know from each of you, given where we are, given this incredible book you've written, I want to know how writing the book and how the experience of getting this close to someone that may have influenced you tremendously has changed each of you today. Uh, Cheryl, why
3: don't you go first? Oh, that's that's a difficult question. <laughs> I should have warned really... you about me. Yeah, <laughs> about how it's changed me today. I don't know. He's he's always been a part of of our lives. I mean, a little bit longer for me than my brother since I'm a little bit older, uh, but uh, but but we grew up with a family that actually our father did know Houdini, which is very cool, and we grew up in a household where magicians came and went, and from our earliest memories, uh, the parents were attending seances to bring Houdini back to life, so um, it's 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 always been in the in the back of our minds. We've been to seances once we got older. We actually could even go and attend, although we didn't sit at the table ourselves. But uh, um, I think he's perhaps changed my life um, in that uh, it's in a way through the book, inspiring. My brother and I to work together. That's that's changed our life. Um it's also given us a, a continuing purpose because he's not done yet. <laughs> We're not done with Houdini and uh yeah. and he's a part of your life and we'd like for him to be part of your life too. So uh yeah. I think yeah. that's that's a, a big change to have yeah. him back with us.
1: Yeah, I love that part of it. So exciting, right? You know, Charlie, mm-hmm. how about you? I mean, how has it changed you? Even to this day, I know, I know writing the book, and we'll talk about the book a little bit, because, you know, I don't want to give away the whole pie, uh, but we will talk about it. But I'm interested in how you've changed as a result of this collaboration and bringing Houdini, shall I say, back to life.
0: Yes. Well, you know, I think um, Houdini himself was very inspiring that he um, went on a crusade uh, wanting to believe that there was something else out there. Um, uh, But um, the spiritualism that existed at the time had a lot of fraudulent activity going on. And he was determined um, to show up the frauds uh, and... um, but with always the hope that perhaps there would be a kernel of truth and that perhaps there was uh, something that um, he could lock into a key to get to the other side. He was looking for that, so he had a very open mind with that, even though people remember him as as an anti-spiritualist. Well, yeah, he was if they were fraudulent. And unfortunately, he never found one who wasn't fraudulent, but he very much wanted to communicate with his mother who had died. Um, And he believed so much that it was possible that he made a pact with his wife that when he died, he would try to come back. And he gave her a a secret message that she would know if she was communicating uh, through a medium uh, as to whether maybe that there was such an ability to make contact with the dead. So I think um, going through all this growing up, how it changed my life is it has left me much more open-minded about everything yeah. that uh, that i see yeah
1: i'll tell you i do a show on thursdays uh called the psychic and the doc i'm not the psychic uh and mark anthony who is a psychic medium uh if you listen to that show and you see what happens during that show it's awe is an understatement you know clearly for me who may have been a skeptic uh, or maybe let's just call me on the fence. I'm no longer that because what I've seen and how I've seen it is so pinpoint accurate that it it makes you really step into another world of imagination and belief. And that's really what happens in this book, too. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, And it's fascinating when you watch somebody tell somebody, a caller that calls in and he says, what's going on with you about apples? What's going on with you about, you know, your father wants me to tell you about apples. What's with apples? And the woman says, I can't believe it. I eat a red, delicious apple every night before I go to bed. And I have one sitting here right now. Why am I telling you that? Because I want folks to understand there's information we receive that allows us to bring a story forth, like you both have done, which fuels more of the mystery but enables us to understand the mastery. And I want to ask each of you this How did you, how were you able to achieve this beautiful harmony between what could be interpreted? As imagination, what could be interpreted as, you know, creating character narratives versus the reality of what really happened? How was that for you? I would have to assume that like Mark, you are probably given some information, Cheryl, right? Right.
3: I'm, I'm sorry, I don't quite understand, but how you do you balance? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I always think about intuition. What I think is that, okay. you know, a lot of times we have an idea, but then all of a sudden we find ourselves writing, writing, putting things down as if we have a knowing. Yeah. I wonder how you took the characters and the things from the book and really created this harmony that you did between real life and characters.
3: Okay. Well, I, th- I think that, that there's a there's a very easy. Well, it's not easy, but <laughs> uh, Charlie is by nature he by by education uh, and maybe genetically uh, very methodical, very scientifically oriented. He's a physician, and I am somebody who is more uh, always always seeking uh i mean i've i've uh, i've followed Buddhist. i've, I've pra- practiced buddhism i have gone to the school of natural philosophy um, i mean many many different facets meditation um i am always looking for what could be so the the the, the more the more imaginative uh and 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 then, Charlie is able to tie that in to a more scientific uh, grounding of it. and And every day you run across things like that. it's it's uh, it, 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 especially now with AI, you're starting to see the, the, where does the mind end? I mean the the whole question of mind and body, which is fundamental in our book as well. Maybe Charlie wants to yeah elaborate on that, yeah, uh, great, Charlie, go ahead,
0: uh, well, one of the things that um Houdini espouses to to me in the book because I'm actually one of the characters, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I I one of the characters um is trying to explain that um what of one of the keys to coming back is that um the body should be looked at as the battery for the mind. And that ultimately what we're trying to do is um, free the mind from that battery, from the body, so that the mind can exist on its own. And uh, once it does, um, and you're basically a mind or a thought, um, your thought can communicate with people in, 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 in time uh, infinitum, so that there will no longer be death you'll be able to just communicate, because you don't need that battery portion any longer. Um, So I guess that maybe it is that.
1: Well, and you know what I love about this is for both of you, and thank you for that, is we're living in a world right now, and I'm sure you know this, I have never seen more emphasis in our pop culture, in what we read, in not just books, but movies, television series that focus on magic than ever. I mean, it is almost as if, if you're not doing something with magic, people are not watching it. They're not tuning in. And this is a huge part of the story and the book. You both have to have sort of a sense of freedom around this to know that, if you would have done this 20 years ago, there may have been a different perception on what you've done in the book. But now in the world, what do you think the hunger is today? In people want to be magically inspired, especially by stories like this.
0: I think there, are, I don't know that it's just today with, with the internet, you can see that It's all around the world, and so we probably feel like it's um, more prevalent today. But um, I think if you look back historically, um, I never completely read The Golden Bough by Fraser, but essentially he's saying that we started out with religion um, and priests, and they they became magicians, and magicians, they... Part of what they did, um, religion was very magical. um, So it sort of had a natural tie that they might be magicians. But um, they uh, also uh, took that and went on and became alchemists. Um, And uh, the alchemists wanted to, they looked at nature around them and they'd see that a caterpillar could turn into a butterfly. And they'd go, well, if that can happen, why can't I turn lead into gold? Uh, why can't there be this transformation in er- anything? And not just transformations, but restorations, vanishings, production of things where there isn't, um, restorations of things uh, like sawing, a, let's say in the magic act of sawing a woman in half and then putting her back together again. They started looking for scientific ways to achieve that, and then that's was led into developing scientists. Um, so um, I think that this has always existed, but we're more aware of it today because of things like the Internet.
1: Yeah. Now, I want to just tell everybody, for those of you are, that are just tuning in, take a look. Uh, Houdini's Last Handcuffs, Charlie and Cheryl Young. And Charlie uh, Young, for most of you, you just heard us talk a little bit about trained physician, formal medicine education, uh, NYU, just amazing in your own personal journey, Charlie, and your fascination with poetry and music. And so you are what we call the perfect integration and harmony of science and spirituality and so when we think about these things we take a look at how we are evolved and are talking about so cheryl for you you know financial industry right people look at us and they think what did these people do before they got on air you know and then we take a look at ourselves my business background corporate america right but here the three of us are what are we talking about seances houdini afterlife, (laughs) right um but there's so much in this book. And I know this is a short interview. Let's just take a minute and let folks know, one, how do they get a copy of the book and how do they find out about each of you? Well,
0: to get a copy of the book, it it actually will launch uh, at the end of March, on March 26th. But it is available for pre-order Yeah, um, on and, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, through your independent bookstore and you can go online. To our website, Houdini's Last Handcuffs.com, uh, and you'll find buttons that you can go ahead and, and order our book.
3: And also find out about us. It has uh, links to our author, to our background. But also, I wanted to mention uh, why March 26th? Uh, it's, it's Houdini's uh, 150th anniversary of his birth. So, uh, well, on the 24th uh,
0: yeah the 24th actually but the 24th they actually release, they couldn't release it on a sunday <laughs>
3: yes so. exactly so so as close as we could get we wanted to celebrate that
1: well congratulations now i read the books and i don't want to give enough a lot away but i do want to ask you about one chapter in the book which i read several times i just love it i'm actually thinking of naming one of the rooms in my house this the code room Uh Uh, I want to talk about this for a little bit. I I try to do these interviews without giving too much away, but I have to have a moment with you both about this. Who doesn't want a room like this? And is it really a room? Let's talk about what the discoveries, you know, what happened here. You see, this is exciting when we think about it. Nowadays, you hear people say, I go to this place, I go to that place. But almost unintentionally. Let's talk about the code room.
0: Well, um, one of the fun things uh, of our growing up was that we were exposed to a lot of very interesting people because of our dad's interest in magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We had, uh, and my mom's interest in uh, cryptology uh, codes. She was a code breaker uh, in World War II. She had been trained uh, uh, in this and had been lent actually to the British in Europe uh, for a good part of the war to help them deciphering uh, the German codes. Um, so we had a, um, a, a library that included uh, code breaking. Uh, we were taught codes as kids um, to try to do, uh, to improve our memories. Um, and um, because of their interests, uh, and their backgrounds, they became friends with people like Eleanor Roosevelt, um, Eli Wallach, who was an actor, let's say, in The Good and Bad and the Ugly, if you're not too familiar with Who's Who. Uh, and Orson Welles, Earthic Kitt, Hardy Shaw. Walter and Litska Gibson. Uh, and two of the main characters, Walter yeah. Gibson was my dad's writing partner for some of his books. He was the creator of the uh, shadow novels, the who knows what evil lurks. In the hearts of men, the shadow knows, and um, uh, these people—we have them get together. They're all part of an inner circle um, of good, all for the for good. And um, Houdini has come back to uh, find his notebook of special science formulas, and he enlists the kids to help find it. And when they find it, it's all in code, and. The good circle has to decipher the code. So the code room, these people get together and we they go through different chapters of Houdini's book. Uh, and uh, this chapter in our book talks about what these what some of these codes were and what special gifts some of these people had to be able to um, unravel these codes. I think that's what you want to hear. about. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's so much we could talk about in the book. And we will talk about uh, why handcuffs, right? Because that's also part of how you both grew up. I mean, what I love about this is we have both of you writing this incredible book, but it's so based on an incredible childhood you both must have had. You know, I'm, of course, I'm projecting, but I can almost lean into what it must have been like for each of you to grow up surrounded by the world of possibilities. You see, that's what I'm really touched by. And if people don't know this, when you think about Houdini's last handcuffs, you know, very clearly handcuffs were prominent in your home, Cheryl, right?
3: Yes. And uh, that's part of the inspiration for, for the book. And also speaking about things that happen and why do they happen, uh, that our dad just happened to be at the house that Houdini had lived in where his brother, who inherited the estate, once he passed away, you know, he was, my father was invited to help clear out some of the things. And when, when it was all basically done, he just had this feeling that he had to go back in and go down to the, downstairs to the basement and and that's how he and he discovered he saw a glint and the glint actually charlie has the handcuffs behind him in a in a display box he can show it to you i see
1: that right charlie behind you right there
3: yeah and and uh i mean so they've always been displayed in our house and we thought it was such a wonderful story and uh, Charlie, what's the story? He
0: he wrote a story. Yeah, he, wrote, he wrote a story for the Linking Ring, which is the official kind of magazine of the International Brotherhood of Magicians, and um, he wrote the story in 1992 of his find. And um, he said he always had a feeling that uh, the the spore of the brothers uh, Houdini and Hardin um, was somehow. Within these handcuffs, and although you know he had a magic collection, and people would trade, a lot of his trading buddies would trade almost anything to anything. get those handcuffs, and he wouldn't trade them. and And we knew this story growing up. And then when he died, you know, I I inherited this pair of handcuffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a big inspiration for writing this story.
1: Oh, yeah. It's like me having one of the original Wonder Woman comic books, right? I mean, oh, wow. you, you know, it's right. It goes like, oh, but look, I love this and I love the book. You know what? You know what's tricky? Can I tell you what's tricky about this for me? I, I forgot as I'm reading the book, I forgot this is a novel. You see, yes. that's the dare I say magic. That's the magic of what you both have done. Can you imagine? And I read thousands of books. I, you know, I've been doing this 20 years. So can you imagine how many books I've read? But when I read a book and I forget, do you understand? Like, I'm so immersed in it that until today, I was like, it's a novel.
0: right? Beautifully done. Thank you. In writing this, and maybe Cheryl felt the same way, I became involved with my characters, partly because m- most of them were real and I knew them. But we uh, endowed them with some ad- additional abilities. Um, but we very much wanted our reader to f- wonder, well, is, is this real or is is it not real? Where does the uh, uh, fiction begin uh, versus uh The fact. And um, I had a difficult time pulling myself out of it at the time. I would be immersed in it and really felt uh, when I went to bed um, that I just, you know, was saying goodbye to Houdini or goodbye to Eleanor Roosevelt. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Because they were there. I was there with them. Of course, I I wasn't with them early on, but I continued to be there with them.
3: Yeah. 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 Cheryl, go ahead. Oh, it's fascinating. I think, I think Charlie probably did, too, that, you know, we, I, I would wake up. I still have, I'm already, you know, working on we're working on the next one. But yes, I wake up at night. I wake up at night because I'm sort of dreaming about something which is happening in the book or it's got to happen in the book. And then I want to write it down. And I hate to wake up at the, in the night. I really hate to wake up. So I've tried everything like trying to record it on my phone or I, You know, I can try and write a note in the dark and it's it's like <laughs> and you don't it, the next morning, I, I will have forgotten it. So, yeah.
1: yeah. But you see what you've done is you've continu- you've done what I call the continue on and the continue on is you get to the end of the book and you said, no, it can't be over. Can't be over. No, no. no it's, well, that's what I'm. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, wait. There's an epilogue. Let me read that. No, no. Oh, wait. It can't be over. And what I love about it is when you bring something back to life that really, in the minds of so many of us, was never really dead. Right. There's a fascination and an energy with this, and and as I think about it, you have done a beautiful job of allowing us to step into a world be part of the world and not know it. Thank you. See, that's the Thank beauty you. of what you've done is you. you read it, you find yourself in it, but you don't know you're in it until you get to the end and you say it cannot be over. And I, I want to ask you this last question. I know this is a really short interview. Did you intend that to be like that, Cheryl? <laughs>
3: um, well, I mean, we... Ha- you- you have to end a book someplace. Yes, you do. And Why there? So,
1: Why there? No, I'm, just, I'm only kidding.
3: <laughs> it, it, it it happened, but I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't for, for me. I hate books that. I, I don't like books ever to end. Yes, and I and I go out and I keep buying and I'm I'm waiting for authors to publish books in October this coming October already. So yeah, I get it. It's sort of hard to leave the characters. I don't think I wasn't ready to 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 leave Houdini. I I agree. I don't know if I ever will be.
0: Having yeah. said that, though, I'll say this book is complete in itself. It is
3: complete. Complete yes. is a great word.
1: Hmm. I yes, love that because complete doesn't mean end. Right. It's and complete and fulfill fulfilling. Right. Is that correct? Yes. You see what I exactly. mean. Exactly. Yes, it yes, is yeah, fulfilling. Yes, you
0: yeah, don't yeah. feel um, like something's missing. Um, you feel like it's a good place to take a break, essentially, um, until the next um, story begins.
1: Now you are writing a next story. Is that correct? Am I, am I allowed to ask you that question? Are you writing a, a follow on book?
3: We, we are, we're in the process, but I'm just thinking it wasn't like, okay, we know, we know what's going to happen. And we stopped the book so that we can continue on and and let you see. No, yeah, this is, this is where he was. And now we've yeah. got to see what he's going to do. What, yeah. I mean, I want to see what he's going to do.
1: Yeah, so I want he, to thank you for bringing Houdini back to life, but bringing Houdini back to life in a way that many of us could only imagine. Please tell us how to get the book, please. It's well,
3: available. It, you can go to our website, Houdini'sHandcuffs.com, dot com,
0: and there are buttons. Hand, Houdini's last hand.
3: Sorry, Houdini'sLastHandcuffs.com, dot com, and uh, there are buttons for Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble and. Uh, but you can also do- go directly to Amazon. It's available for pre-order yep. now. Yes. Uh, it won't be officially released until March 26th, but you can certainly pre-order now.
1: Thank you. I want to thank you both for uh, um, at least allowing me to step into the world of so such a perfect presence that I couldn't even think about, is this real or is it not? And you did a beautiful job of captivating us. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for having us. You bet.